Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you I'm today? It is Friday. Doing well, man, because it's Friday. <laughs> is that your Friday call sign now? Yeah. <laughs> Every Friday. Oh, boy, hoping to get out of here today on these flights. They're a mess in the Northeast. It's a big rainstorm. A lot of wind, too, which is always terrible for planes. So yeah. uh, let's get right to it. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse. Nutrition. They make the finest nutrition supplements on the market. We love Brickhouse Nutrition. Love it. Matter of fact, my shirts, I'm not even fitting in my shirts anymore because my neck is so big. I got to get new shirts. Joe was laughing at me. He's like, what was you on Fox with the tie on? It looked like your carotid artery choke. Your, your, your neck. What's going on there, buddy? It's the Brickhouse. Listen. Breakout Nutrition makes the best supplement for looking better and feeling better out there. You know what that supplement is? Well, if you're a listener to the show, you know that supplement's foundation. Yes, foundation. It's a creatine ATP blend. I love it. Best product out there because it does two things for you. It helps you look better and it helps you feel better. And it helps you perform better. That's the trifecta, Joe. The trifecta. Wow. The Quinella. There you go. It's the trifecta. My, my brother likes the ponies. I can tell somebody yeah. does. Yeah. Somebody does. Here's what you do with Brickhouse Nutrition. Because if you if you think I'm making this up, okay, like, ah, there's a sponsor. You got to say, no, no, I don't have to say anything. I love Brickhouse. I use it myself. Before you take foundation, right, take the mirror test. Go look in the mirror. Take a little mental snapshot of what you look like. Give foundation a week. It is a creatine ATP blend. It's like having two extra gas tanks in the gym now, right? Look at yourself a week later. You're going to be like, damn. <laughs> I am. I am. It is amazing. It's that great of a product. Not to mention you'll perform better in the gym as well. It is excellent. I can't recommend it enough. Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up a bottle of foundation today. You can, Listen, you want to look good for the holidays? You want to look good for Christmas, yeah. New Year's? Pick up a bottle of foundation today. You won't regret it. Okay. So President Trump did it, just like we said. Hey. I've I, I told... Listen... Guys, ladies that listen to the show, you know, I you're you're everything to me. This uh, this show to me is priority number one. It always has been. I I you know, I never try to steer you wrong on stuff. When we do, we course correct. You know, we can't predict the future, uh, but we do our best to do it. I had said to you yesterday that President Trump is very sensitive to public perception. He's sensitive to public perception because he has a quality. A lot of politicians, especially on the uh, sadly on the establishment swamp side, Republican and Democrat don't have. And you know what that is, Joe? Giving a damn. He doesn't care. Most, uh, I mean, he doesn't care what they say, but he does care what you say. Most Republican establishment politicians in the past are completely guided by donors and focus groups. I said to you yesterday, not to redo any of the show, but it's important. President Trump is now standing fast on this border, uh, this, excuse me, border wall demand. Um, it, this, I knew this was going to happen. Because he has this natural sense for when somebody's telling him something that's complete BS. Whereas in the past, in my experience in Republican administrations, they are guided almost exclusively by this inner cabal of focus groups, consultants, and donors. And they all have similar needs. Mm. Those needs, whether it's whether it be cheap labor, um, whether it be influence within that circle, whether it be the continued employment or the patronage system, they are all interested in getting one thing and one thing only. That is appeasing the media acolytes and other stuff like that. President Trump is very uniquely sensitive to this stuff. I think he sensed the backlash on this uh, border funding issue, and he is now holding steady. He told you missed the press conference yesterday. Paul Ryan, the quickie, Paul Ryan and Kevin McCarthy came out and said, listen, the president's not going to sign a, a bill, a spending bill without the border funding in it. He basically said what I, I'm very 
happy and proud, he said. He said, go back and you fund that wall. You find that money and you fund that wall. Folks, this is critical. This is really important because as I continue to say, Trump has a very, very unique skill among politicians. Uh, He's actually sensitive to the general public's perception of how he's governing according to his promises. Mm -hmm. Clearly it bothered him. Clearly he got bad advice from people and it bothered him that he was, you know, potentially going to sign this, this bill without the border funding. Clearly it bothered him. How do we know that? Because he backtracked uh, on it and thankfully stood fast and said, I'm not signing this, go back and fund this wall. Now showing you that his messaging strength again is black and white. I said this to you yesterday during the SWOT analysis portion of the show where President Trump's strength is his messaging. He makes things black and white. He doesn't talk like a politician where you're always in this fugue state or you're in this uh, kind of gray area of messaging. What is he saying? Is he saying this? Is he saying that President Trump doesn't have that? It's like the BS gene evaded him. He doesn't have it. He just says things and he makes the issue very clear and black and white to understand, right? I said to you yesterday, that's his strength. And in this border wall funding fight, which we're now enmeshed in, that his ability to make it black and white, and as Joe said, make it about security and not about a thousand other things, to make it about border security is winning. How do I know that? I have an article in the show notes today. CNS News. Please read it. Check it out at Bongino.com or subscribe to our email list. A new quote. What is it? Quinnipiac poll, Joe. So public support for the border wall at historic highs, yeah. 43% support the wall. It's a five point jump from uh, early in 2018 in August. Folks, why do you think that's happening? Do you think this is a mystery? Do you think this is some kind of a historical messaging accident, a gaslighting effort? No, this is President Trump hammering over and over the importance of this immigration issue, mitigating chaos at the border. Uh, enhancing our border security and making sure people know that this is an issue. It's a prominent issue and it matters to them. The Quinnipiac poll is black and white. I can't say this to you enough. He cannot lose this fight. We don't expect the president to win every fight all the time. I I think the next big battle is going to be spending. Obviously the government spending situation is out of control, but given the power of the, the, you know, the, the, the triad, of you know congressional committees, swamp rats, and the media even throw academia in there and their messaging power. We're not going to be able to take the swamp back, you know, in one fell swoop. It just doesn't work that way. We've had some decent victories. We've had some victories on the regulatory front. Uh, 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 Trump cutting massive amounts of uh, red tape. We've had victim uh, victories on the tax reform front. These have been substantial victories. There have also been some losses we have to acknowledge. Government spending is still out of control. Right. There's no question about it. There's been some losses on the on the, the support of life, the Planned Parenthood. We've got to get rid of the federal funding for Planned Parenthood. But these fights have to happen in stages. But this is the fight now. The fight right now is crystal clear. We, we, we want this wall. We need this wall. <laughs> you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. This wall has to happen. <laughs> I got it. This wall has to happen now. I said it when I filled in for Hannity the other night. It has to happen. Trump gets that, and I think that's why there's been a pause on his part and him saying, you know what? Now I get the gravity of this. It's showing in the polls. This is the difference between Donald Trump and others. All right. So, uh, again, moving on here, we got uh, a couple other stories I want to talk about. It's been a really busy week with the dossier developments and everything going on. I appreciate your listenership. We've had uh, we've had record, record listenership this week on it, both on our YouTube account, iTunes and elsewhere. So I appreciate it. But some of these stories got lost, but there's been some important, uh, important stuff that developed this week. Mm-hmm. Um, first, acting attorney general Matthew Whitaker 
who ever since Sessions stepped aside, uh, Whitaker, who's been a lightning rod for, you know, well, everybody's a lightning rod for the left. It's almost like that word doesn't even mean anything. Yeah. It's like if you're not a leftist these days, you're a lightning rod. You know, it's like a, you're outside walking and chewing gum out at the same time, and you're not a leftist. You become a lightning rod for these, uh, you know, these these the police state tyrants. But they can't stand Whitaker. There's an important development in this case, very important. The acting AG Whitaker will not now recuse himself from oversight of the Bob Mueller uh, witch hunt, which they call a probe. This is fantastic news, ladies and gentlemen, because there's something going on right now by the left. They are trying to intimidate the Trump administration into putting people in charge at the DOJ and in these positions that not only will provide proper will not provide proper oversight, but people who will actively acquiesce to their demands and their demands are what that Mueller allowed to be allowed to proceed in an unimpeded fashion, Joe, and act as essentially a government in and of himself. The Democrats make make no mistake, folks, their lurch towards the police state is long gone. That's a lost cause. The Democrats are now in love with the police state. Police state tyranny is their thing. They're married to it. They're in bed with it. It's their thing. Understand this. I want to make this crystal clear. They don't want anybody in the Department of Justice at the managerial level who is going to do anything at all to check Bob Mueller because Bob Mueller is the only way to interfere with the Trump agenda right now because they understand Trump has popular support on his side from large swaths of the Republican Party. They get that and they get that the loyalty, especially if we win this border fight, they get that the loyalty there is 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 almost unbreakable. They understand that the only way to break Trump is to engage in this police state type witch hunt investigation thing. So they don't want anybody in charge that's going to stop that. Whitaker is a law and order guy who has written in the past uh, about his questions for the Mueller probe, which are perfectly legitimate. Ladies and gentlemen, Bob Mueller is not a government in and of itself. But there's something else going on here. The reason they're upset about uh, Whitaker not recusing himself now that we have a formal decision by the Department of Justice, folks, is there something interesting going on behind the scenes? It involves one very specific memo that we haven't been allowed to see. I haven't discussed this. This is one portion of the case that is left beside, and that is the Rosenstein scope memo, the Rosenstein. When Bob Mueller, the special counsel probe was initiated and Rod Rosenstein signed off on this, Rosenstein wrote a memo. And that memo was basically Bob Mueller's investigation was supposed to be targeted towards Russian collusion and things might have developed from that. It might have been developed from that Russian collusion thing. It is clear right now that Bob Mueller has gone off in a thousand different uh, tangents. I told you earlier in the week he's into, you know, now his new thing is going to be Middle Eastern collusion. Next thing you know, it's going to be, you know, collusion with, with, with alien from Saturn. I mean, Mueller's going to make up anything to keep this going endlessly because that's what Mueller does. Mueller needs to stay in business to keep the attention on Donald Trump and keep the attention away from the Democrats. And the Democrats understand that. And they don't want Whitaker looking at this at all. Well, how does this involve the scope memo? Because there's a memo that is still redacted that Rod Rosenstein wrote, Joe. I don't know if I talked about this with you in the past. I don't think so. After, After the special counsel was initiated, and it allowed Mueller to go and look at some air quotes here, Joe, other things, right? Uh-huh. In other words, a change in scope or an additional scope. Uh, expanding the scope is probably a more precise way to say it. Expanding the scope of the Mueller probe. What exactly is Rosenstein? What, what was that about? What did Mueller tell him? Why is it classified? No one's been allowed to see that. Now, Whitaker knows what's in there. He's going to know what's in there now. 
And I'd like to know, and I think you'd like to know too, what's the explanation for why Bob Mueller's probe has been uh, been uh, uh, launched into now Middle Eastern uh, collusion and nonsensical charges like this? What was in that scope memo? Was that scope memo based on intelligence that was faulty in and of itself? You see where I'm going with this, folks? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The initial Trump collusion investigation, the hoax, was based on what? The dossier, which we now know is fake. Right. I mean, it's real, but the information's fake, yeah. right? We know that. Clearly, Mueller asked Rosenstein for some expansion of his scope outside of simple Russian collusion, Joseph. What did he ask him and what did he base that on? Why are they redacting it? Is that information bogus too? Who are they dealing with? Where'd they get the information from? Why is that still classified? I don't know that. I'm not, I'm not I don't, you know, I don't, for as much as I uh, can't stand Mueller's witch hunt, and I, I it, listen, it may be based on a very legitimate finding of criminal activity. I doubt it. I sincerely doubt it. I think the DOJ is hiding it for a reason, but I find it awfully odd that whenever that scope memo comes up, the Democrats always say, oh, Rob Whitaker has to recuse himself. Because why? Whit- Whitaker can look at that. And I think Whitaker knows damn well that what's in that scope memo is probably questionable and is probably going to sit Bobby M down and say, Bobby, Bobby, Daddy O, why did you need this expansion in the scope of your investigation? Why couldn't we just handle this in-house in the Department of Justice? Why the long face? Why the long face? I guarantee you they're terrified that that conversation is going to happen because now tie it back to how I started this. The Democrats want an unending, open-ended investigation with no oversight whatsoever from Bob Mueller, who can act like a government in and of himself, to keep the heat on Donald Trump no matter what. If his scope, ladies and gentlemen, is just limited to Russian collusion uh, on paper, if his scope is limited there, Mueller's got to shut this thing down. When he doesn't find it, the Democrats can't have that. They don't want this shut down no matter what. So who wrote this scope memo? Why did Rosenstein sign it? Did Rosenstein write it? What were they basing the information on? Why did it expand the scope? And when is this thing ever going to end? They're afraid, ladies and gentlemen. They're afraid. They're afraid of what's going to happen because they're afraid we're going to look at that scope memo and say, oh, my gosh, this is what they're doing now. Taxi cab confessions with Michael Cohen based on what? Based on based on what? what is there another dossier out there? What did you base that on? Important story this week. I didn't want to miss that critical stuff. Uh, this is here's another one. This one really gets my goat. You know, folks, I don't because there's so much going on with Spygate and the economy and and, and you know that just this never ending battle against Donald Trump and his agenda. Sometimes these culture war issues have uh, have exited our attention on the show, and I don't do it intentionally. It's just I have an hour with you, and we can't cover everything all the time. I get a lot of emails from you at times, and and understandably so. Like, why didn't you address this? Why didn't you address that? Because we're you know this the show was designed to cover your commute home, and we can't talk about everything. But this is an important story. It involves a culture a culture war issue that's actively going on right now, and uh, it's bothersome because it hits on something I've discussed repeatedly with you. And there's this. There will be no peace pipe smoking with the left. There will be no rapprochement, reproachment, if you want to I love that word. <laughs> there, will, there will be no roasting s'mores around a campfire with the left. I'm not talking about Democrats. I'm talking about the radical left. There will be no peace pipe. No kumbaya? No kumbaya oh. moment, Joe. It is not going to happen. It's not going to happen because the left is not 
interested in any kind of symbiosis going forward. They're not interested in any kind of coalesced, aligned national vision. They are interested in one thing and one thing only, and that is the use of power to crush you. Ah! You're darn right, Howard. And Howard's one of them. The left is in, understand the difference, but I'll, I'll tell you the story in a second. It'll make sense. But understand here the difference between these clashing ideologies that can no longer exist. Decades ago, you could probably argue that the Truman and JFK Democrats and the moderate Republicans shared a certain sphere of uh, uh, of influence and a certain crossover of ideas where they agreed with things. Those visions of America, at least uh, where those circles intersected, had common values. Folks, there are no more common values between the radical far left and liberty loving patriots on the right. And I use those that those terms very specifically and for a reason, because there is a difference. There is no overlapping sphere of influence. These two ideologies cannot coexist at the same time, because the problem is Democrats want to acquire and use state power to crush any opposition, free speech, rights, firearm rights, self-protection rights, whatever those are, right to assemble, the right to engage in commerce by deplatforming people. The left wants you gone. They want your ideas gone. They want you harassed. They want you humiliated. They want you finished. They want you embarrassed on social media. They want them up. Listen, I get it all the time. I'm almost used to it. I seriously like I've actually I, I never had a thick skin. I've developed it now. I really do. Like I most of the I used to just sit there endlessly on, on Twitter when I first started this three, four years ago and get upset about every now I just read it. And half the time I'm laughing. I'm like, oh, that's creative, you know, whatever. But they, the vitriol on the left, they, they obsess over government power. Their entire ideology is that. On the right, we have a very different and distinct view of the world. That view of the world is bedrocked in big R, God-given rights. God-given rights given to every individual. The right to assemble, the right to speak, the right, your, your right to freedom, the right to participate in a democracy, the right to protect yourself. But think about it. We don't discriminate or segregate amongst who those rights belong to. I don't mean to sound overly wonky on this, but this is a very critical distinction. Conservatives, true conservatives and libertarians and liberty lovers and patriots defend our rights, but your rights too. And your rights require me to not suppress your speech. In other words, to allow you to attack me. Does that make sense, Joe? Like, as long as you're not physically attacking me and breaking the law, yeah. the idea of big R, God-given rights, means God has given rights to everyone, even people you disagree with. Yeah, I grew up with that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we all the right to defend yourself. I believe I have the right to defend myself, and you do as well. I believe I have the right to my own economic freedom. I believe you do as well. The left doesn't have that. The left believes your rights are their rights because they want power, and that power they enact through getting, basically obtaining power through government. So those spheres can't coexist because we believe you're entitled to the same things we're entitled to. Leftists don't believe you're entitled to anything. Please tell me that makes sense because the story won't make sense otherwise. David Harsani has a really great article in The Federalist uh, I have up at the show notes today. I strongly encourage you to read. And it shockingly, again, involves uh, Jack Phillips, who is a baker in Colorado. Uh, this guy, Jack Phillips, the left will just not leave this guy alone because the left are tyrants. They just 
can't for them understand winning is not good enough for them winning in the culture war is not good enough for them you have to be destroyed decimated your livelihood has to be taken and a message has to be sent that message that has to be sent is that you the government is in charge we run the government we will will determine what you can and can't say and basically you will comply Jack Phillips was a baker in Colorado. He was involved in the Supreme Court case where the the state of Colorado went after him and tried to bankrupt him because he refused uh, to bake a a cake for what was a uh, a, a gay wedding. And in that case, it was it was a seven to two decision. Uh, It was ruled basically that there was severe animus expressed towards Mr. Phillips. But the Supreme Court decision wasn't conclusive that his religious liberty was protected. It wasn't. And if you read the piece, you'll understand the ruling didn't specifically address that. It addressed the animus the state of Colorado expressed towards Phillips. In other words, Joe, people who sat on this Colorado board of bureaucrats that went after Phillips and fined him and tried to put him out of business because he refused to bake this cake Mm -hmm. said some of the dumbest things you've ever heard at the meeting. You know, about Phillips, some of the things they said were so harsh that the Supreme Court, instead of ruling on the big overarching religious liberty issue, you see where I'm going with this show, mm-hmm. they, 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 they made it very specific that it was largely the religious animus that was that was not um, that that they were treating him differently than others due to yeah. that animus. But they didn't rule on the big overarching religious liberty issue. That was a big mistake. That was a pass. Because why? Because now Jack Phillips is back in court because a bunch of activists, again, are targeting Jack Phillips. Now, if you read the piece, uh, what happened here, folks, is this. This activist um, went in there and she asked or, or, or for, two, for two things. She wanted a first she wanted a cake. I can't even describe it's a family friendly show. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave. It was a cake that involved some devices people would use for things if you get what i mean yeah gross kind of yeah like nasty stuff um and she wanted those devices put on a satan cake this is the satan cake party joe this is a real story i'm not making this up so that was that was number one so then she's claiming of course that because she uh is a satanist that this was some kind of religious discreet i know you're like rubbing your head like is this real yes it's real so then she goes back and she wants a cake for a gender uh reveal or not a gender reveal, like a gender change uh, up party or something like that. Yeah. So she wanted a blue cake on the inside or a purple cake on the outside or vice versa. Regardless, Phillips said, no, I can't do those things. Those I, I, I don't believe in. I believe that that the sexuality is you're a man or a woman. And I do not believe in, in Satan uh, being a, I'm not a Satanist and I am not good. Well, I may be precise on that. I am not a Satanist. I'm not going to do that. I am not going to bake those cakes. So they went after him again, and the state of Colorado was going after this guy again. Folks, there will be no peace with these people. They are not, you know, that bumper sticker, coexist. They are not interested in coexist. Coexist is meaningless to them. Coexist doesn't mean anything. They are interested in destruction and destruction only. They do not want you. Do you understand this? You cannot be allowed to to exist on the on any kind of internet payment platform on social media. They want you gone. And the bigger your voice, the more of a target you become for them. We're seeing it now with another liberal led boycott. This is what they do. There will be no peace pipe with these folks. So this case hopefully is going to find its way back to the Supreme Court where we can get a conclusive once and for all final decision based on 
religious liberty where we can get a Supreme Court determination that the Constitution matters. I mean, enough is enough already, folks. Gosh, how many times do we got to go over this? It's not just that you can't practice your religion. You, you can't even avoid the threat of being bankrupted. If we can force people to do things against their religion, what else can you force them to do? We're already forced to buy uh, in, in insurance and health insurance. What's next? We're going downhill, and we're going downhill fast here, unfortunately. All right, that story's important. I'll stay on top of that. I've mentioned it before, um, it, but we need a, some kind of conclusive determination from the... I, I wish we didn't, you know, because we believe in big our rights granted by God, not by the courts. But you would think the Supreme Court, this would be a, a darn open and shut decision. Like, just get to it. <sighs> Frustrating. All right, today's show also brought to you by my buddies at Teeter. I can't say enough about Teeter. I love this thing. The Teeter Inversion Table. Have you tried this yet? You use gravity and your own body weight to decompress your spine and relieve pressure on your discs and surrounding nerves. Decompressing on a, uh, on a, decompressing on a teeter inversion table for a few minutes a day is a great addition to anyone's daily routine to maintain both a healthy spine and active lifestyle. I use it every day, twice, before the show and after working out. I love it. If you have back pain, even if you've been lucky enough to avoid back pain, you need a teeter to invert every day and keep your back and joints feeling great. I feel like a new man when I get off the teeter table. I love it. It decompresses my spine. It's good for my shoulders, too. Let's them hang loose. Some products I talk about I use regularly. Some I don't. But this I use every single day. I've done my homework on it. Over 3 million people have put their trust in teeter. They've been the best known name in inversion tables since 1981. For a limited time, folks, you can get Teeter's brand new 2019 upgraded model of the inversion table, the Teeter Fit Spine, with bonus accessories, stretch max handles, and an easy-reach ankle system, plus a free vibration cushion for the ultimate muscle relaxation. You'll feel great when you get off this. Teeter inversion tables have thousands of reviews on Amazon and are rated at 4.6 stars. And with this deal, you'll get $150 off when you go to Teeter, T-E-E-T-E-R.com slash Dan. That's Teeter.com slash Dan for $150 off. You'll also get free shipping, free returns, and a 60-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk to you. Remember, you can only get the new 2019 Teeter Fit Spine Inversion Table plus a free vibration cushion by going to teeter.com slash Dan. That's teeter.com slash Dan. Check it. Check it out. You'll love it. I've always been a teeter man myself. I know. They're great. Aren't they? Yeah, I get that. I know. I, I didn't miss that, folks. Okay. You don't have to send me an email. I got you. Okay. I'm tracking you. A little wink and a nod. I know you have. I'm a teeter guy, but the, I, yeah, I mean, I'm legit. I love the thing is awesome. You know, I deadlift a lot. Yeah, I, I, I'm up. I not, not to get off at the personal side stories again, but I'm up like 10 pounds in the last eight, nine months. And when you're I'm 44 now, I was always told, I don't know about you, Joe, growing up, but to the athletes out there, mm -hmm. I was always told like after 35, 36, it was almost impossible um, to put on, yeah. you know, additional weight that you kind of plateau. It's, you know, it is what it I is. I was told that. Yep. It's, I'm telling you, it's crap. I've never been bigger or stronger in my life ever. I put on probably in the last yeah eight nine months about ten pounds of meat, easy. And that's why my that's why my shirts. I got a tailor because nothing fits. The poor tailor came in six months ago. He, you know, my wife's like, man, on TV, your neck. What's going on with your neck? That's the point. Even six months ago, I was ten pounds lighter. But it, I, I swear, the secret is the deadlift. I swear, it is all the dead. You, I, you can't beat deadlifting. It is the oldest thing known to humankind. You see that weight? Pick it up. Pick that weight up. End the story. Thank you. Have a nice day. I love deadlifting. Greatest thing ever. Nothing packs on meat like deadlifting. All right. 
Enough, uh, enough about me. Back to the news of the week. So a couple other stories I missed, ladies and gentlemen. Another um, epic fail. Hashtag epic fail uh, for liberalism. You know, liberalism is a disaster because liberalism involves the spending of money by the government that can't possibly spend money better than you. Remember the Milton Friedman analogy I bring up often, which is critical. Liberalism fails because when government spends money, not you, neither the cost of what they're purchasing or the quality of what they're purchase what they purchase matters. Every time I bring up this analogy, Joe, I get a thousand emails. <laughs> this is not mine. It's Milton Friedman's. But it's important you understand this. Why liberalism? The idea that government can somehow make decisions for you you can't make for yourself, which is absurd because the very logic of it doesn't make sense. Forget the economics of a second. I'll get back to that. But if the government's premise is you're too stupid to make uh, economic health care or school decisions for your kids, but you're too stupid to do it, why would someone else who has the exact same you know, pool of genetic DNA, they're not aliens, they're not Martians, they're not angels, why would they have any superpowers to determine for you what's better for you when nobody knows you better than you? It doesn't make any sense. It's just dumb on its face. Human beings are fallible, so we need government. Um, government composed of human beings. Yes, but they're special human beings. They're special. <laughs> they have superpowers. They're like Aquaman. They're like Jason Momoa in a new Aquaman movie. They have super. They can talk to fish and stuff like that. <laughs> Whatever that sound Aquaman makes, <laughs> like a dolphin or something like that. They have superpowers, which of course they don't. Matter of fact, the people in government, sadly, in my experience, are a lot dumber than most of the people listening to this who actually work for a living. Now, adding on to the dumb factor that the people who get elected for office, believe me, are no smarter than you. They're just bigger charlatans most of the time. The problem with the spending money is the Milton Friedman analogy. I'm going to get to these two epic fails after this. When you spend money on your, there's four ways to spend money, right? You spend money on yourself is the most efficient way possible. You earn it, you spend it on yourself or your family because the cost and the quality of what you're buying matters. When you keep your money and spend it on yourself, you buy stuff for yourself or your family. Therefore, it's your money. Therefore, the cost of what you're purchasing matters. The quality matters of what you're purchasing as well because you're buying something for yourself, whether it's a car. You don't want a crappy car. You want the cost to be right and the quality to be good, a house, whatever it is. You can spend money on other people. Second way to spend money. Remember, they're getting less efficient as we go on. Worse and worse. You can spend money on other people. The cost matters. It's your money. The quality doesn't because you're buying something for someone else. It's not yours. If it breaks, it breaks. It's not yours. It gets even worse. You can spend other people's money on yourself, meaning you can take other people's money, whatever donations, and go go do whatever you want with it. Now, does a, 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 you know if it's other people's money, does the cost matter? No. If if Joe's paying for my hotel room and the cost doesn't matter to me, I want the best hotel room out there. I don't care about the cost. Right. What's the cost? Who cares? Joe's paying. Yeah. It's twenty thousand a night. Excellent, Joe. Thank you. No I problem. appreciate that. Give me the uh, give me the uh, the penthouse and the win in Las Vegas. So when other people spend other people's money on themselves, the quality does matter, though, at least, even though it's still a bad way to spend money because cost doesn't matter because you're buying something for yourself. So you want a really nice hotel room. So there's an incentive, at least for the hotel to build really nice hotel rooms. Tracking? Mm -hmm. What's the worst way to spend money? I cannot use this analogy enough because liberalism falls apart when you think about this rationally. This analogy changed my life. I kid you not. Uh, What's the last way, Joe? I'll let you chime in. uh, (laughs) Other people. Spending yes. other people's money on other 
people. Yes. That, Joe's heard this so many yeah. times. He's like an expert. He's got a PhD in the Friedman matrix here for yeah. spending money. This is the least efficient way to spend money, to take other people's money and not even spend it on yourself, spend it on other people. If I'm getting a hotel room for someone else with Joe's money, I don't care about the cost of the hotel room. It's not mine, but I don't even give a damn about the quality. I'll just, hey, $20,000 for a room at the uh, at Joe's Motor Inn that, 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 that serves as a, as a meth lab on the site. I don't care. I'm not staying there. Why'd you pay $20,000 for it? Because it's not my money either. So there's not even an incentive for the hotel to build a nicer room because you're not even staying there. That's government. That's government every single time. Now, even as constitutionalists, conservatives, libertarians, and strong principled Republicans, not these weak-kneed, wobbly types we have now, we accept a certain amount of government in our lives because we understand that although, ladies and gentlemen, 100% of the time when government spends your money, cost and quality will not matter or will not matter as much as they would have, I should say, to be precise, if you had spent it yourself. There is no incentive for the government to spend money more efficiently than you spending it ever. So you may be saying to yourself, well, why have government at all? Because, ladies and gentlemen, we accept that inefficiency in the spending mechanism with government because some of the downsides of doing things by ourselves, some of the, uh, the, the, the coordination problems we would have and the incentive problems are so great that even constitutionalists would acknowledge a very limited role, but a role for government. What do I mean by that? It's very simple. What do we all collectively agree on? Largely, a military. You don't want a private military, private mercenaries. How are you going to pay them? You're going to you're going to pay them by the war. There'd be wars going on everywhere. But anyway, you get a bonus for three or four extra wars this year. I mean, we all understand that collectively speaking, it's probably best to finance a court system and to finance a military. Joe, granted the inefficiencies, mm-hmm. no one is suggesting at all that that. that the money, if it was a private military, I'm telling you right now, it would be the cost and quality control would be better. But we understand, Joe, that the incentives for that are very dangerous. Right. Having a private military who's funding it, who's, I mean, working on donations, who's donating, they control the mill, who's really the commander in chief, right? The court system, the same thing. But this is why guys like me and guys like Joe and principled libertarians and conservatives out there, every time someone suggests to me the government needs to do something, I say, why? Why? What do they need to do? What can the government do that we can't do ourselves? What? Tell me where this works. Tell me where, please, I'm begging you, where the government has an incentive to, quote, do something where they can do something that they'll do better than we could do for ourselves. Just give me an example anywhere. Oh, uh, education. Uh, Wrong. Wrong. Catholic schools, charter schools in, in, in the overwhelming majority of scenarios outperform public schools. You're wrong. Our university system works because it is largely, largely financed by people who have an incentive to pay. Now, that's going away because the government's taking over the student loan industry and wiping out people's future income as well. But the university system is largely a system of independent decision making. The government never, ever has the solution. Getting back to this story about another epic liberal fail because it fails all the time. Story number one. I have these up in the show notes. The top two states 
for in terms of population loss. And when I say top two, I mean worst. In other words, they're losing population. Are two big, deep blue states with grotesquely high tax rates, unbelievable government budget deficits, pension problems, liberals everywhere, and all of the associated problems. Those states are New York and Illinois. New York lost an incredible 48,150 people last year. Incredible because the United States population is growing. And the population of the state of Florida, where I live, where freedom is largely respected, is still expanding and expanding dramatically. It is not shrinking. Please explain to me how the United States population is expanding and New York, one of the richest states in the union, is losing people, especially with its jobs, the commitment for all of these companies to move into New York City because they have to be close to the ports and the financial centers. How are they losing people? The answer is they're losing people in Illinois and they're losing people in New York, not always, but largely because liberalism sucks. It's an epic failure. This big government system isn't working and people can't get the hell out of there quick enough. Story number two. What state, Joe, do you think would be number one in epic fails on the public education front? What state given if I told you this state, let me give you a hint because I don't want to mess with you. I got an idea. Um, You got an idea, Mm -hmm. uh, but just to narrow it down. It's a big state. It's on the West Coast. It is south of Washington, and it's it's chock full of liberals and has a lot of big liberal cities. Just take a stab at it, Joe. I know it's tough. Now, I, I went to school in California, so I'm going to say Nevada. The, the, <laughs> I know you're not going to say Nevada. It's California. <laughs> Are you messing with us? He's messing. He's messing yeah. with us, folks. He's messing. I went with to school us. in California. Yeah, uh, that. You get the joke? Yeah, we go. I'm, I'm a little worried because I don't want to get the emails after the show. I'm sorry. Yeah, how did you miss that? Right. He's messing with us. He, he's a clever cat, Joe. Joe is right. Ding, 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 ding. Of course, it's California. Yeah. But because he, he he went to air quote school in California, uh, Joe couldn't figure that out. So California, <laughs> she did. I get it. I'm only messing with him. California is now number one. Another story I have in the show notes today. In residence, 25 or older. Who never completed ninth grade. Uh, listen, I'm not reveling in this. Please don't take this. This is important. As a matter of fact, I've made the case over and over, even during my campaigns for office, that education, and I mean this, is is the civil rights issue of our time. This isn't a joke. It's a, I, I just bring it up because people don't understand. And the show, you know, we always have kind of a lighter tone, especially on Friday shows. But this isn't a joke. Like California, for a state that's committed itself to a massive influx of federal taxpayer dollars, right, in an effort to expand their liberal vision in a suggestion that the government can somehow answer education problems you can't answer yourself for your kids, has suggested to you that you turn over mounds of money to them. And for those mounds of money you give to them in a very very wealthy state, they will transform the lives of your kids by providing a top-tier education system. That is completely inaccurate. They are number one for residents 25 and older who never completed ninth grade. They are 50th. 50th, meaning last. (laughs) We're not doing Barack Obama in the 57 states. They are 50th for the percentage of their citizens graduating high school. They are dead last. Folks, I know a lot of these statistics don't matter. I wrote an article a long time ago when I was writing for a conservative review still about the exit, uh, the exodus from California and New York for Florida and Texas. I know none of this matters to you when you ignore this. And I know your comeback because I've already heard it. If you're a liberal, it's tired. It's old. Well, you know, it's not just big government. Uh, people leave for all kinds of reasons. Yes, they do. But when you actually poll people, large swaths of them say they're leaving because the taxes are too high. I, I don't. 
I mean, I, I again, I, I can't beat you over the head with that. It's just the reality of it. Liberalism fails everywhere it's been tried. These two stories I saw this week were really important, and I think they're worth bringing up. All right. Okay. Busy show today. I got a lot going on. I'm telling you, Joe, Trump is doubling down, by the way, on this. <laughs> I love it about this border wall. I, I missed this yesterday. He says it's not a campaign. It's not just a campaign promise. It's a promise every lawmaker made to do what? Protect the U.S. Just what you said yesterday. He's great at this messaging. He's making this about security, and it is, and good for him. And, I'm, you know, you watch all these, these establishment people. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, Trump, he's got to dial down the rent. No, no, don't dial down anything. Dial it up. Times two. All right. Today's show finally brought to you by our buddies at Robinhood. I love this app. It is so easy. It's an investing app. It lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. Commission-free. They strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. It's a non-intimidating, super easy way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. It has simple and intuitive, clear des- a simple and intuitive, clear design with data presented in an easy-to-digest way. It's it really this. I can't recommend this app enough. It's super easy. Uh, it, it, you don't have to be a, a financial wizard to look at. It. It's real simple. Uh, it's no, there are no commission fees for this. Other brokerages can charge up to ten dollars for every trade, but Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees on on trades, stocks, and keep you keep all of your profits. It's easy to use and it's easy to understand charts and market data. You can place a, tra- a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. It is that easy. The Robinhood web platform also lets you view stock collections. 100 most popular, for instance, entertainment sector, social media, however you want to curate it, analyst ratings of buy, hold, and sell for every stock. I like those. The analyst ratings are really, really, really good. Uh, Learn by doing. You can learn how to invest as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, and track favorite companies with the personalized news feed. You can make custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving my listeners a free stock. This is pretty cool. Ford, Sprint, Apple to help build your portfolio. They're giving my listeners a free stock to help build your portfolio. Sign up at Bongino.Robinhood.com. That's Bongino, my last name, .Robinhood.com. Bongino.Robinhood.com. Really important. Go check it out. Really, really good website, Robinhood. We really appreciate it. Um, folks, one thing I want to harp on, um, again, I don't, again, I don't like to repeat content on shows. I certainly don't want to uh, bore anybody. But just one last thing on this um, this this border patrol this uh, excuse me border I keep saying border patrol because I went to it uh, when I went to Fletzy with the Secret Service Academy border patrol guys were all the border patrol was everywhere they had so many border patrol people there back in the day but this is it's not just that the Gallup poll and this Quinnipiac poll are starting to turn on the border wall and immigration this GoFundMe uh, put together by this guy is blowing up I mean who gets a GoFundMe around Christmas where people are preoccupied overwhelmingly with travel in the Christmas season to raise I think he's over two million dollars or maybe more than that and I saw a Breitbart article up in yesterday's show notes that a third of Americans would pay for a wall out of their own pockets mm-hmm. according to a Rasmussen poll I mean it's 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 astounding out of their own pockets. Think about it. Americans who inherently, most of us, object to big government intrusion into our lives, despite the fact that they that they flushed most of our money down the toilet bowl. They are, Americans are still willing. That's how important they think this is to fund this thing themselves. It's amazing. But again, the Democrats just don't get the message on it. One more news story, and I want to end with something. I'm sorry it's Friday, and I'm packing a lot in, but I missed this this week, and I really don't like it when my audience misses out on important stories. The Fed... 
The Federal Reserve uh, signaled another rate hike, uh, a quarter point rate hike, uh, signaling two additional rate hikes. Now, there's been a lot of panic about this. The stock market is obviously at this point uh, moving, been moving downward for the last few days. Uh, folks, I wouldn't panic about this. The rates, the, the, the rate that the Fed rate, the 2.5% rate where we're at now and we're hovering around is historically low. We're still at historically low standards. And here's the thing. Global interest rates all over the world are really low right now. When the interest rates in the United States, a lot of them which are benchmarked to this Fed rate, when those interest rates start to go on, uh, start to go up, uh, a lot of people say, well, you know, this is really bad because it's going to be, it's, it's basically raising the cost of money for people. Loans are going to be more expensive. I just said to you, a lot, the rate is still historically low despite the raise. But remember, there is an upside to investment. Even if you think the Fed should slow their roll on the additional interest rate hikes they're signaling for the next year, there is an upside to this too. I think the rate should go higher. I know I have this, you know, that that disagrees with some uh, some people even in the administration. But I think the the upcoming rate hikes to get out ahead of any potential inflation in the future. Uh, granted, inflation is very controlled now. I see it, but the problem with inflation is once it sets in, it's very hard to get a hold of, right? But then remember, there's always a positive side to interest rates. When interest rates go up, it's going to draw international capital into the United States. Why? Very simply because interest rates around the world are still hovering near zero. If you can get a return in the United States on your money of 2.5%, Joe, that's a whole lot of darn money. Mm. That will draw money and capital into the United States. Where's that money and capital going to go, folks? It's going to go into the business environment. It's going to go into the business environment, which is, going to, which is going to invest in factories and productivity, which is going to make workers more productive, which is going to lead to increase, uh, increases in wages, which is going to lead to cheaper products because what? They're going to invest in factories that can make the products more efficiently and quicker. That's why you invest in new equipment. So there is an upside to this. The downside is yes, in the short term, it does make money and loans more expensive to get it does make it more expensive to get because if you if you're taking a loan at one percent now you're taking a loan at two percent it's obviously more expensive to you to pay that loan for you to pay that loan back but remember it also attracts capital into the country capital investment matters that's where the productivity gains come from and in the long run i'm thinking long term if we're planning on six more years of a trump administration we are not going to be able to ride out this economic boom at very low interest rates. We're not. We're going to have to continue to attract capital into the country repeatedly over and over. Now, I'm not suggesting we should raise the rates to you know 22 percent overnight. It would basically dry up, uh, you know, would dry up loans everywhere within the economy. You'd be paying uh 22 percent for your home mortgage. You wouldn't even be able to buy a house. I'm simply suggesting to you at this point that high interest rates are not all bad. That they're, if we elevate them a bit with respect to what's going on in the economy and we stay sensitive to it, there is a big upside for capital investment in the country. Keep that in mind. Okay, so last story of the day, because I, I wanted to reiterate, there was a little bit of confusion about this earlier in the week, but it's a really important story. And the story is critical because it is a catastrophe for the Obama administration. I said to you earlier in the week about the, the whitelist. 
the whitelist for the Barack Obama BlackBerry. And there was a little bit of confusion. I think some folks may have had a difficult time understanding this, but I've been telling you for a long time now that this is the big scandal involving the Hillary email case. The Hillary email case is not interesting to a lot of people out there anymore because of Hillary, Joe. Mm. I don't mean not not illegal. Mm -hmm. What Hillary did, I believe, Hillary Clinton and her acolytes and her inner circle did, I believe it to be criminal. I believe they violated classified uh, classified information dissemination statutes. I believe Hillary Clinton screwed up badly. Hillary Clinton on some of her emails asking people to wipe the classified markings off these documents is is uh, abhorrent. I believe it's a gross violation of the law. She at a minimum met the gross negligence standards, I believe, for criminal conduct. And I believe she was given a free pass. I'm simply suggesting to you by this that there's a bigger scandal out there that a lot of left leaning media folks and Obama, you know, bootlickers don't want you to know about. And the scandal I addressed it on the Hannity radio show the other day when I was filling in is the fact that Hillary needs to stay out of any type of criminal proceeding, Joe. Because if she's brought in to a criminal proceeding because of her actions with this private email server and the exchange of classified information, someone who could be potentially forced to give a deposition is Barack Obama. Oh, now, folks, why is that? Because as I explained to you in a was it Wednesday show or Tuesday show? Uh, forgive me. Earlier in the week, remember Obama, Barack Obama was emailing Hillary Clinton on this private server system. Now, the leftist comeback to that is always been, well, maybe he didn't know it was a private email. Someone may have just loaded it into his BlackBerry. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not an excuse. That is the problem. That somebody loaded this private Hillary Clinton email, non-government email, to be very precise, into a BlackBerry monitored by Barack Obama meant it had to be approved by someone in Barack Obama's administration, likely Barack Obama himself. Mm -hmm. The president's BlackBerry does not, you don't have access to it through, you know, Joe's email, his, his .us email. Right. It doesn't work that way. That BlackBerry has to be protected against uh, intrusions, intrusions into that system. It's the president of the United States. Someone loaded this. This uh, this email address was on a whitelist. Now, doubling down on that, we know now, this is why I'm bringing this up. You say, you just talked about that the other day. Eh, I didn't talk about this. So the whitelist is issue number one. Who okayed Barack Obama? To receive emails from a private, unsecure email address from Hillary Clinton. What did he know and when did he know it? But secondly, Joseph, we know not just one, but a number of folks in the Obama administration were using pseudonyms and aliases on email to communicate. Yes, we had the Richard Windsor account for the EPA director, whose name was not uh, Richard Windsor. It was, uh, it was Lisa Jackson. Um, they were using fake names on that email, likely to evade FOIA requests. In other words, Freedom of Information Act requests. If I want a Freedom of Information Act request and I, Joe's working for the government and I say, listen, I want to put in a request. I want Joe's emails. And what's the request going to go out as? The just so you understand how this works, folks, let me walk you through this. This happened to me when I was in the Secret Service. I was the whip in the transportation section on the president's detail. Um, 
the whip is like the number two guy. There's a supervisor and then the whip really runs this section. So I was proud to get that was my favorite job ever. I was the whip over there. But as the whip, you had that kind of quasi supervisory responsibilities because you ran the whole transportation section. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the motorcades, the limos, the logistics, the getting the cars overseas. One day I get an email and they said, hey, there's been a FOIA. There's a case going on. You're all to query your email system, your official government account, and you're here to query it for these words. And Joe, you know what it was about? <laughs> it was about the inauguration. I was I was a part of the inauguration for Barack Obama, the first one. And mm-hmm. it was that big mess at the Purple Tunnel disaster of doom, uh, the, the Third Street Tunnel, where everybody got caught in the tunnel for the first. You probably don't remember. I don't remember. Well, everyone, believe me, if you were a Secret Service agent, you remember. The first inauguration was a mess. The logistics were a nightmare. So there was a FOIA request. So we all had to look up these terms like Third Street Tunnel or whatever it was, purple ticket holders. Bottom line is the reason the Obama administration used these fake names and aliases, Joe, is because when the FOIA comes in to Lisa Jackson and Obama, nobody knows what the heck the pseudonym is. Are you tracking what I'm telling you? Yes, if I am. If, if Barack Obama is using a fake name, I don't know what it is. You know, Joe Jackson, who the heck knows? Nobody knows that but Obama. So when groups on the outside want Obama's email communications about a certain issue, they don't know to ask for Joe Jackson. Do you see the beauty of this? <laughs> There were multiple people within the administration using these fake names. Matter of fact, Lisa Jackson didn't even use, uh, she used a male name, Richard Windsor. Now, they found that through other means. What the Democrats and their allies are really hiding, Joe, I believe, is a network of communications amongst upper-level Obama administration officials using these fake names that also involve fake names and private email accounts. Mm-hmm. We know about one of them. We know about Hillary's. Because right. remember, some of these fake names, Joe, we're not on. Uh, I want to make make clear what I'm saying. These are two different things. The private email account for Hillary was private, but it wasn't a fake name. People knew it was her. Right? Right. The, the, the Richard Windsor and the other case, these were government email addresses. They were just the wrong name. You know, Joey Bag of Donuts at whatever, dhs.treasure.gov or whatever it may be, or secretservicetreasure.gov. I think both of those things were being used by people within the Obama administration to circumvent. This is an important segment. Please take this to heart. This is why the Hillary email investigation is still a sensitive issue. It's not that they give a damn about Hillary in her private email. They don't want this network exposed of communication channels between known Obama people who use fake names and Hillary Clinton on this fake server because you have two problems now. What are the two problems? Problem number one. The use of aliases and fake names has as an obvious purpose to evade the standard collection of federal government internet traffic. The reason you're using a fake name is you don't want your internet traffic foiled, and you don't want it subpoenaed. You want to evade it. It's as simple as that. If, if, if you don't want Barack Obama traffic, so you call yourself whatever. So it's not just an evasion of 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 uh, of, of go- open government rules. It's also an evasion of classified government procedures on how to handle classified email. That's the second scandal that Hillary did that to a private email account while her server, the, the, the server was not subjected to any of the government uh, restrictions on classified data traffic, you know, uh, pen testing, penetration testing into the system. None of that stuff applied by government rules. Hillary just made it up. She just hired her own people. 
the data retention wasn't there and the security wasn't there. I guess that's an easier way to sum it up. The data retention so we could find it, but the security as well. I believe this is a bigger scandal. That's why I brought up the whitelist the other day. Because when we find out the whitelist from the Obama administration, who was whitelisted to get to that BlackBerry? And we get a list of emails that can get that were able to be transmitted into Barack Obama's BlackBerry. I think you're going to find, ladies and gentlemen, there may be some more information there. The name might not just be Hillary's emails and the level of traffic between Barack Obama, but we know Obama used a fake name, too. We know he used a fake name as well. What is on those emails? Just how much is on those emails? I'll sum it up this way, why this matters to me. Remember Peter Stroke and Lisa Page and their text traffic back and forth to one another when this investigation is going on and it's hitting its crescendo right around the fall and winter of 2016? You remember this one specific email from the FBI folks involved in this? The White House is running this? Where were they running it from? You really think people were popping in the White House every day to get personal briefings from Obama? I can assure you that's a big fat no. Somehow they were communicating on a channel, whether it's email, whether it's civets, secure phone, secure video teleconference. Somehow, somewhere there's a record of this. I think that's what's going on right now. That's what they're hiding. And that's why this Hillary email case has nothing to do with Hillary. They're ready to throw Hillary overboard and has everything to do with keeping the secrets of the Obama administration buried six feet deep. The white list matters. Anyone listening out there up on the Congress should be saying to themselves, why don't we have that? Just go to WACA, the White House Communications Agency. They ask them. They'll have it. Someone will know about it. They'll have to. How was that BlackBerry configured? How was Obama's BlackBerry configured? That's the question. Interesting, huh, Joe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think yeah. that's something you're not hearing anywhere else. So, all right, folks. Hey, thanks again for tuning in. Hey, oh, one last thing. Jeff Flake bailed on us again, Joe. You know how much I can't stand Rhino Jeff Flake. Jeff I'm Flake surprised. is introducing a bill. Right before he leaves office to hike your taxes, he wants to do a carbon tax. So if you're in Arizona, uh, you know, be cool about it. But send Jeff Flake an email. Say, Jeff, you're a, you know, you're a disappointment. I can't believe you're doing this. Yes, Jeff Flake, uh, who ran as a Tea Partier, is now right before he leaves office introducing a bill. It's not going to go anywhere, but uh, to introduce a carbon tax because that's what Jeff Flake does. He's blocking conservative judges. Uh, he's now trying to hike your taxes because he's a phony. He's a fraud. He's probably going to run uh, for president against Donald Trump. He'll probably get about 26.2 votes, uh, and that's about it. But I uh, just wanted to throw that out there. You know how much I uh, can't tolerate his nonsense. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. It's been a great week of shows. Please subscribe. I really appreciate it. Subscribe to the show on uh, uh, on iTunes. You can also follow the show on iHeart. It's all free, but it helps drive us up the charts, helps more people to find the message out there. So we really appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in to Hannity last night. I hope you enjoyed it. It was pretty spicy. So thanks a lot. I will see you all on Saturday. Good day, sir. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at dbongino. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to. 
be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening wherever you listen.